What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. This is episode number 132. I'm Turner, and I'm in studio with Rosie. What's up, Rosie? What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. We are doing really well. You yeah. and I are very happy because this is the week that Roe was overturned. Yes. Oh, I thought I was wondering where you're going with it. Because I was like, <laughs> I'm never happy. <laughs> no, my life is terrible. I live in just constant despair. Yes, you I'm do. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a bright I'm light. Just kidding. We, you know, if you listen to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that we are staunchly pro. I say we're. You said it earlier. What did you say? Preconception. Preconception. Yes, because we believe that the Bible. Well, the Bible says it says before I stitched you together in your mother's womb, I knew, knew you. you. Which means that you are before you are even put together. God had intentions for you. So there are no surprise pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are unwanted pregnancies, but not surprises. Yeah. To God. I was going to say I, I was uh, kind of just riff on that for a little bit. I was playing. Uh, poker with some guys play poker every friday and one of the, one of these guys he's an atheist we ended up talking and i was like sharing the god like answering actually it, it rolls totally good into this thing because the podcast we're about to go in because he had all these what about zeus and like all these questions about just mm. th- things and i was just giving it to him and then he started talking about how the marvel movies and i'm like cringe <laughs> but i had answers for him which was really cool and i could answer weird stuff but he, I remember he, he looked at me and he was just like, one of the things he was asking me about is like, where do you come down on pregnancy? Like the, the, the abortion thing. I can't, I don't know what's going on. I'm sorry about that. I don't know what's it's going your, on. It will figure it out. Yeah, but sorry. Uh, Turner it, just got a new phone, doesn't know how to turn it off. He's too, he's too popular. That's why. Um, but yeah, and, and I told him, I was like, I'm preconception. And, I, and he was like, what do you mean? And I said, and I, I pulled out that ger- the verse from Jeremiah before I knit you in your mother's womb. I knew you. So I said, I believe that we pre-exist in um, the mind of God, which means you exist as an individual person. It's not talking about like some new age thing where it's like, oh, we all are God. So that's like how you pre-existed. I mean, even that makes a case for pre-existing before uh, in a weird way. But here's some... I was going to say some free tip to anyone that's listening that because we were talking about this in between uh, the recording is I've seen the most brain dead, stupid arguments. Like, first of all, I, I think if you're listening to this podcast, you've experienced this over the last we'll, we'll just say Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court. Yeah. On Friday, we're recording this the Sunday after. Um but I think these are timeless things that if you, people are seeing people that they thought were saved mm-hmm. and people that they thought were right-wing or conservative are coming out against this. People are losing their minds. Yeah. And I, I will say this, though. It's interesting that the riots were, weren't as bad. And no. I did remember I was telling you, I don't think they're going to be as bad yeah. under because I think, I don't know what for whatever reason, but they – they didn't happen that, very long. Basically one night. Yeah. But people, this is showcasing a lot of people are, I've had people reach out to me and they're like, this is, I people I never would have expected are losing their minds over this. People that claim to be Christians, claim to be conservative, claim to be right wing. I don't claim to be conservative. I'm right wing. Um, are, are losing their minds or saying, oh, I really don't like 
this is too extreme. Yeah. And so I've been giving advice of like, you know what a very, the, the biblical, I, I think this is the best answer that anyone that is biblical, that is Christian. And you know what? I was going to say, we're told to, this is how I've been telling people. First of all, understand that the world hates us. This is, the world is evil. It is ruled by powers and principalities that are evil. They're demonic. They hate it. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing, these deep possessed people <laughs> that are in charge, of, that are in our government, that are ruling the world, that are in the streets, these women that are doing these things, I feel bad. They're possessed. These people are possessed. Yeah. Something's going on for sure. There's demonic activity in these people saying this stuff because it is the most like evil and pervasive thing to kill the most innocent child sacrifice. There's a reason child sacrifice has been going on almost since forever. Yeah. 6,000 years. 6,000 years. And they're not, these people are not going to give up on this. So- That's to say, understand that people are going to hate you for having this view. But if they are honest, they really can't argue with this. So as a Christian, and again, I think the most biblical view of this, and it takes any arbitrary political, quote unquote, science, whatever that is, it's all fake and gay anyways, debate (laughs) of, oh, well, you know, it. I believe it begins at conception and then that's okay. But then what do they say? Yeah, well, but it's not really a person until they start brain activity split hairs or is it when they feel pain or when is it? So if you just, or because if you say, I believe that life begins at conception because that's what science says. Well, they say, well, what if science or what if science proves I'm saying, well, yeah, then there's the the viability option, right? Viability. And to just skip all of that. Yeah. Yeah into proclaim that Christ is king <laughs> at the same time, preconception. You preexist in the mind of God prior to conception. Right. And they can't say anything about that. They're going to say, that's stupid. And you go, I'm a Christian. That's what I believe. That's what we're told. That's it. They can't argue that. You don't get roped into anything. You just say it Shuts like it that. it down pretty there's, quick. There's yeah. nothing that they can say about it. I mean, the only thing they say is God isn't real. Right. God doesn't exist. You fool. Right. Don't you know God doesn't, he isn't alive. Yeah. And as they manifest even more. Exactly. (laughs) Here's, can I go on, can I riff on this for a bit? Riff, man, riff away. Because I I was posting about this. Anyone that's listening, there is never, ever, 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 ever in the history of the world, and there never will be, all right? There never has been, there never will be a single incident that aborting a baby has either saved the life of a mother or a mother died because she didn't have an abortion. That has never happened. Absolutely true. It has yep. never happened. It never will. It That is a complete BS argument. It's a fallacy. Do not ever yep. listen to that. 100%. You just say that that is not true. You know, what? The, there's things that they say we might have to induce, induce labor, which would lead to an, maybe a miscarriage. To save the life of a mother, they might have to do an emergency C-section. They might have to do stuff. Listen carefully. They may have to do something that 
forces the birth to happen quicker, to remove earlier. the, the yeah. baby yeah. quicker out of the body earlier than the timeline. And that baby, they could say, might die. Or if we do this, there's a 95% chance that the baby's going to die, but the mom is going to die. But we need to do this to save life. That is not abortion. No, not at all. That is... It's they, actually trying to save both lives. They try to save both lives. Right. Now, if there's a 98% chance that the baby's going to die, that is not – that's a separate thing, okay? So if anyone ever says that, they go, oh, what about if the mom – it never happens. It never will. And the thing that I just said, inducing, you know, a – forcing a labor. Premature, yeah. A premature labor, having an emergency C-section. I think – I can't remember the term. It's endo something – uh, labor. That is not abortion. Abortion is ripping a baby piece by piece and then vacuuming out. Right. That is abortion. A miscarriage, even if it's forced or induced to save the life of the mother, that is not abortion. And the, the fact that abortion is a very specific thing, which is killing, intentionally killing, and not just killing the baby, it's ripping it apart piece by piece. Yeah, it's, it's massive. It's ho horrible. That has never happened. Yeah. <clears throat> so again, it'll never happen. It never has happened. That is complete BS. And then the next thing I want to say, and <laughs> I don't, I was going to say this is the most retarded take. I hate it. I'm sorry for using that word, but it's so stupid and brain dead is this idea that people say, oh, you're pro-life, but you don't care about them afterwards. That is BS. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, so you just want the babies to be born, but you don't care what happens to them after they're born. You're just pre, you're pro-birth. You're not pro-life. Okay. That is BS. And look at them and say, you're stupid. You're fake and gay. I hate you. You're <laughs> evil. Get behind me, Satan. Because that is the most retarded take that they can say. And people think that they're so smart by saying it. It's so stupid. It's It, it means nothing. You know why? Because again... Just because something is going to have a difficult life or it's being born into a situation that is difficult doesn't mean you rip apart the baby. Also, too, look at the charities that actually... I was, yeah, exactly. Almost all of them are Christian or faith-based. Every single one. Almost all of them. Yeah. And and the majority of people that are um, adopting and funding adopting yes. are Christians. Yes, Majority. That is the thing. You know, it is so difficult. People don't realize this either. There is a baby shortage. When you look at the number of babies that are being born to, quote unquote, unwanted, that are being in, right. born into the world unwanted, quote unquote, you know, people that would have had an abortion if they didn't, there are X many times the amount of people that are out there, and most of them are Christian, that are begging to have children that can't have kids that want to adopt. They're, the number, I, it's something like there's 200,000 babies that are born or something like that to like 3 million p couples that want to, that are right. waiting to adopt right. yeah. babies. Yeah, yeah. And they pay big money too. And that's what, I mean, that's a whole thing I think. Now from that, again, this is getting into, yeah, I think we should make it easier for people because the it is so hard to adopt a kid. You can start talking about that. You can find common ground.
But I'm just saying this brain dead retarded take where they say you don't care about the kid afterwards. That doesn't mean you rip them apart during birth. Right. It's stupid. They, they're non sequiturs. They, it's a straw. They don't make sense. Yep. The two do not equate, and they try to do that. Don't listen to them. It's a weak argument. Say that does stupid, not and that doesn't make yep. sense. That's right. Yep. They they don't equate. So there's some debating points. I was going to ask, what do you know? But I'm just going to Rosie's <laughs> rant. This is great. <laughs> Sorry, I just I feel <clears throat> this is I feel so. I just see all this stuff, and no, dude. I'm sorry. I turned this thing off. Did you hear it vibrate? Yeah. And then it dinged for I, some I, reason. I think I know what's going on. But all right. Well, what? I, I, I don't know right. what to do. Yeah, it's anymore. okay. It's all right. Sorry, guys. Um, it's okay. Sit on it here and yeah. see if I can hide Any, mute Anyway, it. I just – there's a lot of people that don't know how to respond to these things, and I just – I'm trying to help people. Yeah. So please, if – and I was going to say reach out to us if you don't know arguments – or you need stuff, I'm good at debating, all right? <laughs> Reach out to Rosie, not me. Yeah. <laughs> Reach out. But I just want you to know that we are on, I hate this term, but we are on the right side of history. Be encouraged by the fact that babies are being saved. This is a good thing. The road, This is just getting started. We're just getting started. We should not rest on our laurels. Correct. We should push for keep further and harder. Yes. <laughs> and... um. You are correct. Do not. There are answers that are logical, and are biblically sound that you can use. Don't let these people make you feel like your position is stupid. It's not okay. Don't. What was that? What was that? Uh, I heard uh, one of these pastors, like old like Spurgeon or somebody like that, and he was like, "If it's you and God, it's a majority." Yeah. Exactly. And uh, so you don't have to worry about no. if you feel all alone about it. But the, but you're not alone. I mean, no. I think, yeah, anyways. Sorry. It's a it's a great answer to prayer. Many, many yes. people have been praying for a long, long time for, you know, ever since it passed, yeah. you know, since that incorrect, you know, judgment was brought forth. And so, um, but yeah, we have much to thank God for and publicly praise God for yeah, this this work and it's only just beginning. Yeah, next we're coming after contraception. And we're coming after <laughs> sodomite. You heard quote unquote marriage. <laughs> yeah, you heard we're coming for you, <laughs> dude. Uh, get, somebody was complaining about all this, and uh, and I was like, you think this is bad? Wait till the millennial kingdom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> none of this stuff's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, you think Jesus is gonna be down there blessing? Uh, yeah, it, you're not gonna see a rainbow flag hanging out the temple no, <laughs> outside the temple. No, maybe one with seven colors, not six. Though. Right there, you go. Yeah, or nineteen now. Yeah, <laughs> they have all these. Um, but here, how about uh, I? Got, I do have a actually good. Did you know? Okay, what do you know? It does tie in to some stuff that we talked about. Okay, in this. So, did you know that Richard Nixon once called in staff to help him open an allergy pill bottle? It was a child-proof type of bottle with instructions <laughs> saying, press down while turning. <laughs> the cap had teeth marks on it where Nixon had apparently tried to gnaw it open. And under him, uh, the Poison Preven- Prevention Packaging Act of 1970 was enacted uh, by Richard Nixon. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he enacted the law that made it that open. Uh <laughs> But, That's uh, actually pretty funny, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, but uh, I will say Richard Nixon, he was a good guy, and if you guys, and I'll, I'll say it after this, Watergate, <laughs> they were 
it, it's tied into Pizzagate and Pedogate. <laughs> we have to do go. an episode on that. We'll then. have to do an episode yeah. on it, but uh, <laughs> there you go. Anyway, I'm sorry. I've, there you go. Well, we have a great episode because we're going to be guests on Despite Popular Belief podcast with a guy named Stephen, and uh, he is going to talk to us about Christians and conspiracy. Why would he? Why would he contact us about that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe because I just said Watergate was uh, right. <laughs> was actually trying to save children from a child trafficking ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he was. Right? Uh, uh, anyways, yeah, no clue. So no clue why he asked us? All right. Well, listen to the podcast and uh, go check out despite popular belief stuff as well. Uh, crossover audiences and anybody from his audience that's listening, we thank you guys as well. Uh, so what we always say is sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Despite Popular Belief. We have a returning guest. This is All Out War podcast, uh, again, with Rosie and Turner. Rachel could not make it tonight. But uh, Rosie and Turner, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks, man. It's I'm all- not used to being introduced first. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, I saw the cover art has Turner on there first. So I want to throw you guys a curveball. Yeah, thank you. Well, we always, Someone uh, acknowledges me. It's age before beauty, bro. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, so, like, the point of this episode is uh, we're going to talk about should Christians be into conspiracy theories? Uh, we're going to flesh this out a little bit, but All Out War covers a lot of conspiracy theories, among other things. I don't know if you guys want to maybe give us a brief overview of what your show is and, like, what how you pick out your topics just for anybody that might be a new listener. Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having us on, man. And in, in, in all seriousness, uh, we've enjoyed listening to your podcast. And uh, I, like you said, I, I throw it on on my way to work and uh, mm-hmm. I don't get to watch it, but I have to listen to it. Cause if I watch while I was driving, it would not be good for everyone else. <laughs> um, <laughs> which you have a, an excellent camera setup, man, the lighting and everything. You, you do a really good job. And oh, thank you. <laughs> your intro—I've said this before—but your intro music too is probably the best of anyone I hear because mm-hmm. it just rocks. So that's <laughs> uh, too kind. Too kind. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, so our podcast—we you know—we started what 2018, I think it was, and it was basically um, cons- it wasn't really intended to be conspiracy-minded in that sense, but it was theology, culture, and politics, and so we would basically address the the events and the culture um, through a Christian lens. And so that's basically what we try to do. Um, and through time, I guess it just kind of, well, I think it was, it was the main thing was when we started to really talk about the subject of Nephilim, which mm-hmm. is very popular with a lot of truthers, a lot of conspiracy. And I had never really studied it until we started the podcast. I know Rosie knew. And you were a pastor. I think that's important to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So th- there's there's multiple um you know angles to the the subject of Nephilim. Some people believe uh that you know they are 
the sons of Cain and that they were just evil, wicked men. Um, some people believe that they were actually the offspring of fallen angels that that uh, had intercourse with human women. And um, I seem to, I fall into the latter category of that. And uh, that was through a lot of study. And we um, had, we had Dr. Michael Heiser on our podcast uh, a couple years ago. He's, he's done extensive work on that. He used to work for Logos, he, Logos Bible study software. He was the ancient language specialist for them. And he uh, really takes apart the Mesopotamian and ancient languages and puts together a very clear picture of what Benai uh, Elohim, which is sons of God, um, means in Genesis chapter 6. And when I read that, it really opened my eyes and it started to connect some dots for me that kind of threw me into a theological trail that I had never been down before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember listening to that series uh, in those interviews you just mentioned, and I felt I felt depressed for a little while because I, I guess I had been exposed to a level of evil I hadn't considered before. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want that to be a deterrent for anybody. I, it's You have to listen to it because it's, I mean, you're just dissecting Genesis and all of this scripture and it was like suddenly like things start clicking in my mind like wow like the world really was getting that evil and it's it's a sick sick thing (laughs) yeah so after the nephilim we started to it's kind of opens you up to a lot of other you know bizarre topics that you're just not going to hear from the pulpit on a Sunday. And there's reasons mm-hmm. for that. You know, there's, <laughs> you know, some people struggle to understand why would I need to talk about, you know, what, what pertinence does aliens have in my day-to-day life um, as sure. a believer trying to live for, for Jesus? And, um, but the truth is, is that these things, they are in our world. And if they are in our world, what's fueling them? Where do they come from? What's the origins of them? And what is the impact that they're having on us today and what might possibly be the future impact? And so that's kind of what what has kind of driven us to remain, I would say, if you could look at it like a fence on one side's like evangelical Christianity in general, on the other side would be the Stranger Things. <laughs> sure, <laughs> not, yeah, yeah. Not the Stranger Things movie, <laughs> but the, the Stranger Things <laughs> of theology that don't, they get talked about in some seminary circles, but never really publicly. And um, so um, that's kind of how we ended up where we are. And I was going to say, as, as far as me, I was just always, um, I grew up in, like into conspiracy theories and weird stuff and all the weird stuff. So as soon as like I met Turner and we were talking about it, <laughs> I feel bad. I, I was going to say, I, I've just... Uh, I was screwed from birth, you know, like <laughs> I was destined <laughs> to be weird and into weird stuff. And uh, so I just, I guess I drew him into uh, stuff. We, we would just have conversations, but yeah, I guess. And I think the other thing that kind of made it more into, uh, I don't know if we crossed, I was going to say maybe to people who haven't listened, like not every episode is like, this is a conspiracy theory and this is like another right. one. So like we right. do total ones about the end times, like it, or grace. We did great, whole, an episode yeah. on grace, or you know. So we don't try to pigeonhole. But I think once when the COVID stuff happened, 
or I probably shouldn't have said that. I don't know if we're going <laughs> to, you're going to get like dinged <laughs> for saying that um, <laughs> by the censors or whatever. But um, like, it, it seemed like from there, everything kind of blended because it was no longer like a conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. It was like, this is just what's happening. It, it was almost like reading the news because it's yeah. like, Hey, did you hear about this thing? And everyone's like, that didn't happen. And you're like, no, literally it just happened. Like it's not even a theory. <laughs> it's not a conspiracy. It's just that. So that kind of, yeah. but and, yeah. And, you know, to Rosie's point, there were a couple events that happened uh, in recent, you know, the last couple of years that actually started to impact Christians and their thinking on things. One of them mm-hmm. was obviously the pandemic. The other one was Epstein. And mm. and I think Epstein got put into the for the into the front of our news cycles, and so people that were just what you know, I jokingly will say this normies or asleep, mm-hmm. um, they were forced to have to look at the story and then begin to try and understand what type of people would kidnap children and take them to an island and then destroy them, you know, yeah. um, sexually abuse them and and even worse and. Then when the island was looked at, and then um, then when Epstein's death happened, you know where he quote unquote hung himself, you know, um, mm-hmm. and then there's it just seems like no justice, and and I think between that and then the radical power overreach that started to display itself through the pandemic with people like mayors and people that were not really used to seeing have that kind of authority. Um, mm-hmm. It began to cause them to question, like, what in the world is happening, and what right. should be our response to this, and is there something bigger going on that we were not aware of, you know, prior to that? Sure. Yeah. So I, I think that lays out the groundwork really well on what your podcast ministry is about. So I hope that's wetting the appetite if anybody that's listening right now, because the stuff that uh, Rosie Turner and Rachel cover, it is so interesting. Once you start listening, you can't stop. It's it's always stuff, like you said, that you're not going to hear in church, but it is uh, rooting back to biblical truth. So it, they're addressing these cultural things that people want to, to know about, people typically who aren't, you know, maybe from the church body. There's also people who are curious uh, in the church, but this is, yeah. this is important stuff. This is good. So, so we're here... To just really cover, like, should Christians be into conspiracy theories? And I want to get your guys' opinions on this. I, hmm. I mean, I, I think I know what your opinion is based on <laughs> your show, but why should Christians uh, be into conspiracy theories? Well, I think that um, we need to first define conspiracy and look at where that term comes from. I had it pulled uh, up too. Uh, Rosie, Rosie <laughs> pulled it up. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong here on this, Rosie. Okay. But the term conspiracy theory was actually um, coined after the execution, or I'm sorry, the assassination of uh, of Kennedy. And mm-hmm. um, anybody that was looking, investigating, you know, as a journalist or just as an individual that was investigating all of the events surrounding that and the people involved, um, they were the the CIA came out with a term coin and they coined it conspiracy theorists. And it was really to paint anybody looking for the truth in a bad light. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of stuck for a long time. And then other additional phrases would come out like tinfoil hat. And there was actually a movie called Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson that came out. And there's a scene where him and his sons are actually sitting on the couch with with aluminum foil hats that they made on their head. Mm. And it's totally 
you know, a mockery of the whole idea. But so the whole term conspiracy theory, it really was tainted um, from the beginning. It was never a, a phrase that was put out there as anything good. It was actually it was actually used as a negative um, PR agenda, I guess you could call it, for anybody looking into the truth. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and I don't know if you want to jump in on this, Rosie, at all, because I don't... Keep going. Okay. I'll, I'll go after. So w- what I was going to say is that, you know, in Scripture, we're commanded to look at the truth, to know the truth, mm-hmm. and, you know, to search out the truth. I mean, um, when you when you think about what Scripture tells us about that now obviously the first and the, the most important truth is the word of god and mm-hmm. so you have to as an individual as a christian we need to be anchored into the word of god and that everything that we look at in these situations and as we investigate these things we need to be filtered through the lens of scripture what mm-hmm. has the revelation of scripture taught us what does it talk about with creation what does it talk about in terms of man humanity the nature of god uh, all of those things need to be absolutely filtered through whatever it is that you're looking at, because that's going to shape the truth for you. So you'll know whether something's true or false based when you filter it through God's Word. And God's mm-hmm. Word is sufficient for every situation. I mean, I truly mm-hmm. believe that. So I'm not afraid to jump down some of these rabbit holes, because right. I have a firm anchor that is holding me, which is Jesus Christ. And so... You know, for me personally, it's not a, it's not a scary thing. Some people go down these rabbit holes and they come back and they're questioning their faith, they're questioning, right. you know, reality, and it has a tendency to to cause you to question because it's it's something that you're not familiar with, anyways. So um, you got to anchor it always in Christ. Yeah, Amen. Yeah, and I was gonna say, um, just in case, I I always think it's interesting to. Um, break down the term um the term like conspiracy theory i i'm, I'm big i like words um, sure <laughs> but uh most people like words because they're useful but um <laughs> so the term the definition of conspiracy is the action of plotting or conspiring or another one says a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful but really all it is is just a group of people are talking together to do something like that's <laughs> right. what a conspiracy is and a theory oh. oh i'm sorry go ahead no i was just verbally affirming like yeah oh. that's, that's sorry i uh, i verbally process <laughs> dude i i just came up with it i just heard that term for the first time like a couple weeks ago verbal processing and i was like that's me that's, that's <laughs> so i'm the exact same way um but yeah so theory is a set of principles upon which uh, a situation, uh, uh, here's a better one, an idea used to account for a situation or justify for a course of action. So it's all just an idea of people coming together to do something. Mm -hmm. So it's like a very benign term um, when you look at it on its own. And I think there's uh, like, just to kind of break it down, to kind of get into the idea, the question of, should Christians believe in a conspiracy or believe in conspiracy theories or be into them is the fact that like the the way that I just laid it out, the definition of it is a group of people coming up to do something and they have an idea about it. That happens yeah. all the time. And a conspiracy theory or a conspiracy is not necessarily a bad thing either. Like 
the Revolutionary War. There was a bunch right. of, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, people conspired to overthrow, you know, the, the I would say the oppressive government of, you know, the people England. with bad teeth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all those people. <laughs> bad um, teeth. Yeah. So is that necessarily a bad thing? You know, like here's a perfect example. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'm going a little too much with this, but the uh, a, a recent Supreme Court decision. Mm-hmm. A group of people, and you could say it was even a secret thing. They were meeting together, discussing something, laid out a course of action, and it came out. You know, like it, it was a good thing. The recent, yeah, uh, I would say <laughs> so. I would say so too. Um, and so, conspiracies happen all the time. They're not necessarily a bad thing, and it really is that derogatory term that the CIA, the literally the CIA, we have. Like, it has been unclassified, the memorandum that was sent around saying, hey, we should call these people conspiracy theorists because it could be derogatory. People don't want to hear being called that. And so there's, I was going to say, I think right now there's no, that term doesn't hold the same weight that it did five years ago, six years ago. Again, I I was going to say my perception is a bit skewed because I've always been (laughs) talking about weird stuff. So I'm like. Everyone knows that, you know, b- way before the podcast call, you know, all this stuff. I was just, you want to hear something crazy, go talk to Rosie. But, <laughs> um, but it, like, I think the, so w- what a Christian should do, and I'll tie this back into it, is all throughout, you know, like, um, I was going to say that this, uh, you had touched on, you know, like being knowledgeable, like, sure. Or uh, I'm sorry, Turner had the verse. The uh, sorry, there's two verses that I'm trying to pick out, so I'm talking so I can uh, buy myself some time. Is that you know we should always have an answer when we're mm-hmm. questioned about our faith, and I think if we use that as kind of a touchstone point when it comes to conspiracy theories or mm-hmm. weird stuff or whatever, is everything ultimately does come down to like what Turner said is like it has to be rooted in the Bible. And that's why like, again, last time we were on, we were talking about aliens. Who cares about aliens? They're fun. But when you really start digging down into like what could that mean for a Christian, that's where like this questioning comes up with, um, I'll say, you know, much in the same way with the whole Nephilim thing, there was, uh, you know, that when, when, I started digging more into it and started reading, you know, books about the Nephilim or these ideas or, you know, being okay with, you know, the weirder stuff in the Bible and just letting the Bible be what it is. Like, I, I don't know about any of you guys, but like when I grew up and I went, I grew up in a Christian household, I went to Sunday school, all this stuff. And it was always taught about Noah and the flood. And it was always kind of this way that we would describe it is, well, you, you know, a kid would say, like, well, why did God have to kill everyone? Well, he just did <laughs> because yeah. they were bad. And then, you know, that's the story that we tell little kids. And that's the story that we tell grown men mm-hmm. or women, like, from right. the pulpit. And I will say, I absolutely, <laughs> I was going to say, I have no problem with there being the answer. And I've told people like before that where they're like, Oh God just had to kill the whole world. And I'm like, yeah, 
<laughs> and they're like, don't you think that's bad? And I'm like, no, God did it. So why should I judge him? Right. So I, I have no problem. We're slightly evil. Yeah. <laughs> I have no problem like just saying like that. But then right. when I started digging more into it, it's like, oh, everything makes sense. And I don't have to be, I don't have to turn off my brain and just go to that answer, which is sufficient. And I am okay with saying God does something. And I, I don't know what the reason is. And I'm, I'm totally okay with saying that. But being able to look into the weirder stuff or think about how um, some weird thing that's in the news, like child sacrifice or abortion or, you know, Epstein or pedophilia or something like that. Well, how does that tie into like a biblical worldview? And mm. a lot of times if you really don't kind of take it and try to mesh it into like a biblical worldview and go look for an answer in the Bible, which there are for everything. Like it could just, there's a lot of stuff in the world that just doesn't make sense if you don't really dig deeper in and fully just embrace the, the weird stuff yeah. and say, I need to go look into this. How does yeah. this affect me? Because it is, it, the stuff is pernicious. It's evil. There's stuff in this world that doesn't make sense um, and can make people question stuff. Like if there really is, you know, the, the, the highest levels of powerful people in, in, in the government and in Hollywood, if they're all pedophiles, you know, what does that mean? Like for mm. the world, how does that mean for Christians? How does God play into that? Why does he allow, you know, like those kind of questions happen. So I'll wrap it up with this, but being able to like, I guess, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't want to quote Nietzsche, but like, uh, you know, staring into the the abyss and, um, you know, with, you know, knowing that you have like the the safety of the Bible, of being able to go and look into some of the stuff, always testing it against the Bible. The Bible just reveals more to it. Yep. Like it's unchanged, right. but it still just reveals more and more deeper truth. Sorry. That's, yeah. that's my... Can I add to that? Do you mind? Definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. So you're talking about conspiracy and the Nephilim. It just reminded me that the entire Nephilim story of Genesis 6 is a conspiracy yeah. <laughs> against God. It was fallen angels who were attempting to corrupt the human line so that they could thwart the Messiah from coming forth to be fully God and fully man. And so when you understand the conspiracy that was happening in that moment from Genesis 6, it's not hard for me to, to take a leap into some of the other things because that was literally written on the pages of the Bible. And so now we have this grand celestial conspiracy. We're living in it right now. And yeah. the entire, you know, in, when you think about like what's to come, well, we know that the Bible tells us that in the end there's going to be a singular world government, a one world government, and that we'll, what will rise from that will be the Antichrist to attempt to rule for them through that period of time. Of, you know, he's not going to have a lot of time, but even that is a conspiracy against God. And so mm. when, you, <laughs> when you think about these things and you start to look at them and unpack them, if if God if Satan and and the conspirators against God started in you know before Genesis six really before the fall because we know that in Genesis three when when the fall happens and the curse is given to both Satan and and to Adam and Eve that uh, Satan fell before that you know he had to have right because he's in the garden and so we know that there was a conspiracy that set all this in motion. And it's been in motion consistently through all of the millennia 
even till today, and it's going to be in motion until God restores everything back the way it needs to be, which we read in the back in the back of the book in Revelation, when yeah. when Jesus will, you know, uh, make all of his enemies his footstool, and God will, uh, you know, allow him to rule and reign for a thousand years, uh, depending on your eschatology, and um, and so I think that that that's a conspiracy that's been threaded through history, you know, of humanity. So it's not hard for me to <laughs> to look at some of the other stuff, and sure. and when I did, and when I realized these things, like so, like for instance, you know, Joshua was commanded to kill all of the people in the Levant that they that Israel came about, and everyone, men, women, children, livestock, everything. Well, yeah. if you know some of the story, and you know some of the extra biblical stories that can help support that story. Not they're not biblical truth, but the Book of Enoch or some of Jasher, some of these other you know biblical sources or unbiblical extra my, extra biblical. Thank you, Rosie. Extra and biblical. Some of those are actually quoted in Jude, which is canon. Continue. Yeah, yeah. Jude, Peter, Jesus actually quotes the Book of Enoch seven times. A lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. Um, but the but if you go to those sources and look at them, they can kind of fill in the gaps on some of these pictures for us, and and they can help understand some of that a little bit clearer. But when you think about what they were doing in that time period is they were corrupting the genetic line of humanity so that they could thwart the coming of Messiah. And not mm-hmm. only that, but Enoch tells us that they were they were um, teaching them how to do animal husbandry. So they were genetically interfering with the animals. So that makes sense why God would have them bring animals on the ark, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so there's there's some things that actually makes better sense to me now mm-hmm. when I know these things. And, you know, it's is it debatable? It has been debatable over the over time. But when you go to some of these sources that we've gone to and the, the ancient languages that have been, you know, understood and translated the way that they needed to be uh, properly, uh, it does paint a, a good picture for you. So that's why I don't have a problem with it necessarily. Sure. I'll, I'll give just a little bit of like real life application here. Uh, I was mingling with uh, in some uh, theological forums. Uh, there's a server that I kind of jump into. People ask theological questions. Somebody was asking about some events happening uh, in real time in the news mm-hmm. about end times. And they're like, you know, like, oh, my goodness, is the end times coming? And you're talking about, you know, the new world order here. Uh, so. They were they were asking like did the countdown start is this actually happening and hmm. so instantly I thought of um, the verse uh, of that it will come like a thief in the night so that comes from First Thessalonians five uh, and if you want to read the whole section for context that's verses one through eleven uh, but it specifically says uh, you know the return of Christ is going to be like a thief in the night uh, we're not going to know the exact details but. That section of scripture also says we will not be kept in the dark for we are children of light, mm-hmm. but we are to remain awake, not sleeping mm-hmm. and sober for the day of the Lord. Okay. So I, nobody responded to this, but I did post that verse to this person asking if like the end times is kicking off, but like really like the advice here from scripture and it, this is addressing an end times conspiracy, uh, remain awake, not sleeping and sober. So like what, what does that mean? It means like be aware and cautious, right? Okay. Be of clear mind. And if you need to hear it from Jesus' mouth, Matthew chapter 24, his disciples are asking when Jesus is going to come back. And he has a discussion with them on that. So like there's there's plenty of information in scripture that addresses well, 
you know, these end time conspiracies. Mm-hmm. And it's so like, this, this is real life application, how you can go to scripture and not freak out. Mm. It's going to be okay. Cause we are children of light. It says yeah. we're not going to be in the dark about it. So, <clears throat> and you know, the, you know, we don't have to worry about like, I mean, everybody has their view on eschatology. So, sure. so that can get like the, <laughs> in any form, the minute you start, you start talking, oh, yeah. you know, they're like, oh, well, is that during, is that the tribulation or is there a rapture? Is there not a rapture? You know, and they start going into all the, all the different eschatological, eschatological, eschatological views. <laughs> I can talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm a person. Um, but, uh, but it is true. It is true that, that, um, so are we living in the last days? Well, I can tell you this. I can't say 100% certainty, but there are certain markers that Scripture gives us mm-hmm. about the last days. Second Timothy That's talks about how, what the culture will be like, that people will be lovers of themselves, disobedience to, you know, children will be disobedient to their parents, lovers mm-hmm. of money and self and all, you know, there's a cultural lens that the, that that is described through Scripture um, in the last days. Um, you know, we're also ta- told in in the gospels from Jesus that there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, famines, mm-hmm. all kinds of natural disasters. Those are the birth pains leading up to the last days. But nonetheless, even though scripture tells us all of those things, we've never been closer to the end than we have today. Because right. today is the day we have, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've That's never point. you know, today is the closest we've ever been to the last day and and tomorrow if if it should come, that will be another day closer. So we should live as though it is our last day in the sense that we live for Christ by faith fully and trust him completely and and try and glorify him with our lives the most that we can. So, yeah. um, Rosie, did you want to say something? Well, I was going to say it's so funny that we were talking about Revelation is um, – I don't – I think most people – I'm going to assume uh, that most of the audience listening, um, even if they're not saved – they've heard about revelation they've maybe read some parts of it or they know some some things that happen in it yeah and uh <laughs> i was gonna say more to to the uh the point about like i'll just say it like this some of that stuff that's in revelation that is going to happen is so much like is so scary it's so weird there's weirder stuff in the bible in particularly in the book of revelation than like stuff that is going on now you know what i mean like <laughs> right like yeah. you know it, thirds of the entire world's population are going to be killed we're going to have these creatures that are coming out that we can't even fat you know i'm sure john was he, he can't even think of words that's why he's like it, it looked like this it's sort of like this like they're incomprehensible, you know, people are going to, you know, try to kill themselves and they're not going to be able to die, you know, like, because it's so awful, the stuff that's happening to them. And so you read some of that and that's in the Bible, that's going to happen, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's going to happen. Um, I was going to say, and if we can handle as Christians, like some crazy stuff that's going to happen, um, it shouldn't scare us from like looking into like, did the moon landing happen? You know what I mean? Like if in, yeah, in yeah, comparison yeah. of like <laughs> these creatures that look like, uh, you know, scorp flying scorpions with like human faces, human faces yeah. on them. And they're just going to be, oh, no. you know, flying through and killing everyone. You know, right. that that's a little crazier than, um, 
you know, accepting that, it, it might be a little bit crazy. Stanley than, Kubrick filmed the, the moon yeah, landing. <laughs> yeah, there, right. or even the possibility that 9-11 was an inside job. Wait, <laughs> wait what? Mean, what you, you know say? what I'm just saying? No, like, <laughs> like, I'm just saying, like, there's crazy stuff in the Bible that yeah. we accept that you shouldn't be scared of, like, other stuff in comparison. Like, you well, know what I mean? R- Rosie, 9-11 wasn't an inside job. It was a ritual. It was a satanic ritual yeah, well, to, yeah. to, to loosen. I, <laughs> I mean, we laugh at that, but there's actually a, a theory about that, and it it holds water, in my opinion. It. Yeah, it holds water to me. Um, it, it's really funny because um, a lot of criticism we get, you know, that, that, that wrote, like, well, I'll just speak for myself. A lot of criticism <laughs> I've gotten, people will say to me, there's a, a verse out of Ephesians 5.12, and they say, uh, for it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. Hmm. And um, and they say, why are you talking about pedophiles? Why are you talking about Luciferians? And you're glorifying Satan and you're glorifying. And they have a good point there. Some some of it is bringing attention to, um, you know, to those things um, in okay. some way. But if you read the rest of that verse in context, the verses preceding it and following it, it actually says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. This is Ephesians 5, 8 through 13. And it says, live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But in everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. (laughs) So Paul is saying there in in Ephesians chapter 5, that we need to actually have the practice of exposing mm-hmm. the evil deeds of darkness. And and he says, for it's shameful to even mention what they do in secret. Yeah, it's shameful because it's evil. It's evil right. in the sense. It's not bringing shame on the person that mentions it, but what they're doing is shameful. And so I think that when you take the verse in context with the surrounding verses, just like anything in Scripture, let the Bible define itself you know, let the exegesis be from the Bible itself. And then what happens is you end up with a clearer picture and that particular verse doesn't really hold water to what we're trying to do. Now, I have heard um, and I've seen some Christian podcasters who, you know, d- do similar to what we're doing. They're, they're probably a little bit further into um, some of those realms than we are. And, um, and they kind of just latch onto one certain thing and they just go at it. And um, and in some ways, uh, it to me, it's like, okay, I get what you're doing. I see what you're exposing. Um, but I wonder how much is necessary. So, mm. But, you know, it's not my job really to criticize or critique them. That's really between them and the Lord. I mean, the Bible tells us, am I, am I to judge another man's servant? You know, it's a man will stand or fall based on Christ. So <laughs> I'm not really responsible for that ministry, that podcast or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's really between them and the Lord at that point. Yeah, I think there's definitely a level of discretion to consider. And um, maybe that's kind of a good segue into, like, how can we discern what is true? Like, how can we discern that as Christians living in this wild world with wild theories? Mm-hmm. So I have a, a a little story out of Acts chapter 19, mm-hmm. um, and this might help this might help drive that home a little bit. So in Acts chapter 19, um, the Apostle Paul is in Ephesus, and he's uh, been preaching there for a while. In fact, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's it's his second missionary journey, and he pl- he had already 
planted the church there, and he begins to um, preach the gospel, and he's many people are coming to the Lord. And what happens is there's a guy that is a silversmith who his name is Demetrius, and he becomes very upset with with Paul and with the Christians because his whole job was to make money off of these idols. And so he would make these idols out of silver, sell them at the temple, and then they would use these idols. They would, you know, they would worship them, pray to them. They would take them back with them because um, in Ephesus was the temple of Artemis or Diana is what she's also known as. And what happens is um, this guy, Demetrius, causes a big uproar, and, and it's a big riot that happens, and they grab the Apostle Paul, and they grab a couple of these guys, and they drag them into this Colosseum. And what happens is uh, they try, one guy tries to address the crowd, but they realize he's a Jew, and then they're like, no, you're, you're already compromised. And then, then this other guy, the city clerk, gets up in verse 35 of Acts, and he's, he's a pagan, and he's, a, he's a, a city official in the city of Ephesus. And this is what he says. He says, the city, the city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Men of Ephesus, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven? <laughs> so when you read that, you would, you would kind of breeze through that because the story is so impactful of all of this chaos that's happening and they're dragging these men in and out and they're literally for two hours, they're like, they're, pre, they're screaming to that uh, great is Diana, great is Diana and all this stuff. But this city clerk who actually gets them quiet, he says something that's very profound and he, I'll read it again. It says, he says, um, doesn't all the world know the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image, which fell from heaven? That word fell there is important. I want to I want to emphasize that for a minute. If you know anything about, you know, um, ancient history, you're going to know that Artemis and Diana come, come back from the ancient Babylonian uh, goddess of Ishtar, and also goes to a woman by the name of Samarius, and Samarius was the wife of an individual by the name of Nimrod. And so mm-hmm. Nimrod is, were found, is found in Genesis chapter 9. So, yes. so what, what happens is, is you have to know the history that's being woven through. And ironic, unironically, I would say this, that the Artemis, Diana, uh, Samarius, Ishtar, uh, ultimately, in my opinion, becomes what we have as our vision of of Mary, the the mother Mary with the child um, mm. that we get in the Catholic Church, and because they call her the the mother of God, the, and that was who what Artemis was known as. Ishtar was the fertility goddess, and um, and so you have all of these um, these these iconic idolatrous uh, that that come through history. And they just they just basically show themselves in a different representation, but it's the same image. It's the same fallen God, and that's the thing that I want to point out because the clerk actually said, "fell from heaven," and so we know that this is a key into the word. That what do we know happened when we were talking about Genesis six? We were talking about the angels that fell from heaven. A third of the angels fell from heaven. They left their position and they gave up their place in in heaven, and they were cast to the earth. And Satan, Lucifer, is the chief of them because he was one of the main, you know, uh, angels in heaven that was one of the cherubim. And so you have this, if you understand historically what's happening there, when you read that, you're going to pick up on this and realize that this isn't just some 
idol that the the Greeks were worshiping or the Romans were worshiping. It's actually something that was very steeped and it had huge cultural impact and it has very deep roots. And so when you read that and you know it, it all of a sudden makes much more sense that, oh, okay, so now do I see... Do I see this anywhere in our modern culture? Do I see the same thing in our modern culture? Well, yeah, I already clued you in on that. When I personally, and I don't want to offend anybody that's listening that might be Catholic faith, but when you really dig that up and look at it, um, it really fits perfectly into that. And uh, you know, there's more. There's much more to it. There's a book you sure. can you can get called The Two Babylons that will go into great great detail about it if you wanted to. But um, by a guy named Alexander Hyssop. But um, but yeah, so <laughs> Acts chapter 9, one verse, it clues into something that actually connects to thousands of years of history that, um, you know, I don't even know if this clerk knew what he was saying when he said it, you know, but, but he, said, yeah. he said what happened. So, okay, as a Christian, okay, I'm reading this. So now there's this one verse, it, it impacts, it, I realize this, it's going to help equip me that this isn't some crazy conspiracy to say that the Catholics might be worshiping some idol when they elevate Mary. Like mm-hmm. simple idolatry, we know that that could be the case because Mary herself said she needed a savior. It was in her song that she sang. She said, Jesus, my savior. So if she's God and she's sinless, then obviously she would not need a savior, right? Amen. Amen. So and I'm not bashing on anyone. I'm just, this is straight, no. simple theology, right? And right. um book. So, you know, I'm probably half your listeners are, no, I wouldn't say that. You probably don't have a whole ton of Catholic listeners. <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I try to say at the front that it's, you know, reformed again, like reformed is not my identity. My identity is in Christ because scripture says so. Yeah. But yeah. when I use the term reformed, I just want people to know what my belief set is before we jump into a conversation. It's more for like people to just understand so we can get to the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think what you're mentioning here actually point it pairs well with uh, Philippians chapter one verses nine through ten, uh, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Mm-hmm. So what I have underlined here is with knowledge and all discernment. Mm-hmm. What you just described there, Turner, is a little bit of knowledge about the Bible. A little bit of knowledge about the history that the Bible lays out. A little bit of knowledge about the culture that was going on at the day. So this knowledge paired with discernment uh, is a biblical practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, be in the know. Be mm-hmm. in the know. Study. Study. And and we know discernment comes from the Holy Spirit. So we pair it with that as well. Yeah. And I was going to say, um, just kind of in, this, in, in, the, in the same vein, we were, I think we were... Um, originally talking about uh, discernment or how do Christians, you know, know which to, what is true? Because, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. Turner, uh, when I brought up the, jokingly had said, you know, the thing about 9-11 or whatever, um, that's something that I think is is very difficult for Christians who may not, um, who may just be, I don't like using the term like waking up or any of that, but I it's like, uh, yeah, I you do. Because <laughs> it happened. It happened <laughs> no, no, to me. No, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, you know, like starting to research and look into stuff or become aware of things that are going on and trying to, you know, I, I think uh, I've, ha- I've had people describe it to me. Um, I was going to say some people 
say it's like being born again and again. <laughs> um, <laughs> some people say that. Some people I've talked to, um, it's kind of like a, a – I was going to say this uh, – there's this old book, uh, Varieties of the Religious Experience by William James, which is just uh, something completely different. But he talks about the, the varieties of the religious experience, and he was a psychologist – only mentioning that because there's different ways that people, um, I think, come to faith or come to deeper understandings just in the way of uh, our brains work. So I'd say, you know, some people just have this immediate, everything's crazy. What's going on? I don't know. What do I do with all this new information? Like you're, you're talking about Nephilim. How does that have to deal with it? And it's just very overwhelming. And then there, I think mm-hmm. there's other people who maybe start looking around and you're like, oh, that's a really weird thing to happen. And you start looking into that and you're like, huh, what does that have to do with all this other stuff? And then it's kind of connected. So I'd say, you know, kind of the same way of uh, intellectual understanding maybe that people have um, much in the same way that I think people come to Christ. There's different avenues and everyone is different. And I think everyone's walk and, um, you know, uh, obviously their testimony and story of how they came to faith in Christ is to come through so many different avenues. The the whole point I'm trying to get at is no matter where people are when they start thinking about these weird things or conspiracy theories is, again, how do they deal with what's true? And Mm -hmm. so people, these new people that are coming into it, like I'll say kind of, be warned if anyone is listening that is not too familiar with this and is interested in digging in more. I'd say praying for discernment, like you said, is so key. And yeah. I was going to say, you, I think you should be praying for discernment, even if you aren't looking into this stuff. Discernment is just needed. We're told to pray for discernment. We're told use discernment. Discernment out of, you know, not just for conspiracy theories or whatever, but just for you in your life. And, um, because once you start getting into this stuff, that there's so many different rabbit holes and ways that people say it. And then you get kind of into um, kind of little cults of conspiracy, uh, cults of conspiracy, cults of personality around certain people that um, you may agree with. I don't, like, I'll say this is, you know, say, for example, someone likes the way that I explain things or the way that I, I view things or something like that, or the way I put make connections or do whatever, you know, whatever. I'm just using myself as an example. Mm-hmm. Like I could totally be doing, saying something. Um, I, I would say, I think because I'm rooted in the Bible that uh, I pray against, you know, saying anything that's heretical, but I've, been into stuff and not into stuff, but like been researching stuff that all of a sudden, you know, a couple months later, I talked to a friend and he's like, oh, that's, that's all Gnostic stuff. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like I, I've gotten tricked or not tricked, but I'm like, this sounds like it's right. And all these things are lining up. And then all it takes is another, you know, brother in Christ to say like, hey man, do you know, there's this whole other aspect of something you're you're missing. I, I, I'm yeah. missing. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, good. I'm happy I never <laughs> publicly came out and told people you should listen. You should believe, believe this or anything. Yeah. Yeah. But 
I, I think that's really a caution to, again, kind of take a step back. Pray for discernment if you're going to be looking into this because there's so many things. And the other thing is that it, I think is um, – I'm trying to caution of how I say this – is a lot of times with conspiracy theories or, or thinking about conspiratorial activities that are going on or history or trying to make sense of all these crazy weird things that are going on in the world. There is also, I've I found that th there must be an understanding and an okayness for the individual person that there are things that uh, you'll just never figure out. We'll just never yeah. know. Yeah. Much in the same way, kind of in the same way with like I was talking about, God killed it, wiped out the whole planet. I don't know why he did it, you know, just going from this very basic idea. I don't know why, but he did it and I'm okay with it. I think yeah. taking that childlike understanding, especially with some of this deeper conspiratorial stuff, because you can just get so burnt out mm -hmm. on, oh, finding this. And there always seems to be more again rabbit trails and all this kind of stuff but really being rooted in the bible because the bible is unchanging you know it it, it was codified it was it is the word of god it is unchanging it is truth it is absolute truth um that it always has to come back because like it's a solid foundation and i i would also caution people um, kind of in a different direction. This was kind of thinking about how to word is that there is also a need for discernment because much in the same way that you can get into rabbit holes and always wanting it's, it's addictive. It's addictive to try to learn more. I'm very yeah. much a person that um, I enjoy learning for learning's sake. You know, I enjoy yeah. reading books about something that, maybe didn't interest me. It's just like, I don't know anything about this. I'm going to go spend four months <laughs> reading a ton of books about something. And then at the end of it go, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. Okay, whatever. Uh, I, I'm very much that kind of person. But not taking that kind of um, idea of always trying to look for deeper and deeper things back yeah. to the Bible. Because I think that when if people start getting caught up in this always got to find out more there's always something deeper there always has to be something deeper there's a i've seen people that they come back and bring that view to the bible and then you start when you start changing the word of god it is no longer that foundation because now it's like i'm trying to think of something like you hear some interwoven you know someone that claims to be a christian and they say a lot of stuff that might sound theologically correct or a little orthodox. And then all of a sudden they start saying like, yeah, but like the Trinitarian, you know, the Trinity, that, that's not actually a thing. That's a Gnostic belief. Right. And then <clears throat> if people may have, uh, you know, this conspiratorial mindset and all of a sudden they're like, oh, I need to learn more. Oh, and then they get caught up on this and now it's coming back into their faith and it's changing what the word of God is. Um, there needs to be discernment in that as well. So I was going to say that as kind of a cautionary tale of if people are interested, 
And uh, that's a very long-winded, prosy kind of esque response of saying, "Just pray for discernment, and God will <laughs> give it." But well, I, I think you point out something really critical: is know when to stop. Know when to stop. Mm-hmm. Sure, you can start digging into some things you're curious about. Run it through Scripture. But if you, you know, a brother in Christ is is saying like, uh, "No, this is not good." Or you start not being able to sleep at night. You're having nightmares because you're studying something. Right. Mm-hmm. No mm-hmm. when to stop. That happened to me. Um, I was uh, researching some cults in college, and it was disturbing and mm-hmm. disrupting my sleep. I'm done. So it's this pursuit of what uh, Stephen Bancars would call forbidden knowledge. Mm-hmm. For people who aren't familiar with Stephen Bancars, uh, his last name is spelled B-A-N-C-A-R-Z. Sorry, uh, Bancars. Uh, he was a former New Age celebrity, very, very successful and popular. He had like hundreds of thousands of followers on Facebook back when Facebook was cool. And um, <laughs> he became a born again Christian. He was rescued out of the New Age. Uh, and he actually talks about, you know, Christians complaining that, that there's no revival and they're always praying for revival. And he turns around and says, dude, the revival's in the New Age. People are getting saved left and right out of the New Age. <laughs> Anyways. He talks about forbidden knowledge all the time because for a lot of new age people, which I think a lot of uh, individuals are very interested in right now is, is uh, an enlightenment mm-hmm. uh, is the level of knowledge that people are pursuing, uh, which Christians know is folly. Uh, but check out some of his stuff on YouTube. Uh, I, I know you're going to love him instantly. If you're not familiar with him, he talks about demons, crystals, aliens, mushrooms, and a lot of this stuff mm-hmm. is from experience. Uh, he's a born again Christian again, so uh, that's he's a good resource for like the forbidden knowledge topic. It's like, dude, don't go any deeper. Like, you're gonna see the red flags, uh, yeah. and you're gonna know what you need to know soon enough to know like when to call it quits. Yeah, I, I actually had like a, a situation where uh, I was just interviewing somebody. They were giving their testimony about how they were saved uh, from Satanism, and now they're a born again believer, mm-hmm. and. I knew enough about Satanism to know, like, duh, this is not good. I'm not going to, I don't need to Google like all the ins and outs of it because, like, I, I know I will never like follow it or need to know about it. But this guy I'm interviewing, he is telling me all this information. I had no idea about Satanism. And um, without giving too much away, like, their belief in an afterlife, they just believe you cease to exist. And that's it. Mm hmm. And that's profoundly sad, yes, but like I had no idea what the stance was for a Satanist on um, right. the afterlife. Yeah. To me, that was like a, a forbidden knowledge, but here I have this brother in Christ sharing his story of, of his salvation. And so, you know, it was just kind of a glimpse behind the curtain, so to speak. But that was just something that recently happened to me. Yeah. <clears throat> it might be the type of thing, too, where, you know, um, I think about it like um, apologetics. If I'm going to minister to reach out to Mormons, for instance, um, I'm going to need to know a little bit about what they believe. You know, I need to know a little bit about a history. I'm going to need to maybe probably pick up the Pearl of Great Price in the Book of Mormon and look through that and kind of familiarize myself with their theology, with their beliefs, because there's no way that you're going to be able to um, have a confident conversation with them if they're throwing things at you that you're not prepared for. And so there's a level of maturity that's required for ministry like that. In the same way, I think with, you know, what some people are doing in in the truther realm or the conspiracy realm, whatever you want to call it, especially within Christian camps, 
there's you, you need that same level of maturity. Um, mm-hmm. Like you're saying, you need to know when too far is too far and when something jumps the shark, if you will, <laughs> yeah. uh, in a conspiracy. Um, but there is also a level of what, what they oftentimes call cognitive dissonance that's needed. In other words, um, if I'm going to look into, say, like, say, what Rosie mentioned before, like the moon landing, like if I'm going to look into the moon landing, now that doesn't necessarily have any impact on Christianity. It doesn't have any impact on my faith necessarily. It could on my cosmology, you know, my, uh, what I believe about the earth and the, and the creation. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to look into that, right, so I'm, 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 you know, researching the story behind the moon landing, and I discover that, okay, oh, NASA purchased Stanley Kubrick's cameras. Why would they do that, you know? Oh, Stanley Kubrick and Warner Von Braun and Walt Disney actually had input on <laughs> on, on some filming that was going on that nobody knows where that footage is, right? Yeah. Or, or yeah. do we? Have we all seen it already, you know? Um, and you start to see these things, it's going to kind of wrap, rack your brain a little bit because you're, you've been told, no, we went to the moon. We've, we've played golf on the moon. There's a, there's a lunar, you know, module landing on the moon and all these things that, that we all are familiar with, uh, that, you know, the president took a landline phone call from the moon, right? Um, but but now they're telling us that the technology that it re- it's required to go to the moon we don't even have, um, and it was 1967 I think when they went you know to the moon. So my my right. my Apple iPhone that I got I got a brand new Apple iPhone 13 right because um, my other phone died. It, that has like 300 times computer power than what they used to go to the moon supposedly. Thousands more. Possibly yeah thousands more. So. It's going to take some cognitive dissonance that you're going to have to endure and you're going to have to allow yourself to have if you're going to really honestly look at the data. You know what I mean? And that's part of the problem. And so a lot of Christians have been told, don't do this. Don't look at this. Don't. This is you're glorifying the wrong thing. You're taking your eyes off the, wrong, the the thing that you need to take your eyes off of, and what you end up with is people that are completely dull to the things that are going on around them. And when you finally, like for me, like Rosie said it perfectly, it's like being born again again. For me, mm-hmm. once I woke up, and by the way, there's a verse in Ephesians five. I'm just gonna read it. <laughs> it says, "Wake up, O sleeper! Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." Mm-hmm. And the Apostle Paul said that. That's actually the verse preceding what I read earlier about exposing the darkness, right? The deeds of darkness. Love it. So we're called to be awake. We're called to be those that are awake. So if the moon landing was faked, right? Yeah, it may not change my faith any, or, you know, my Christian, my value of my perception of Christ at all. But man, sure does change my worldview on what's going on with our federal government and some of the agencies that they're pumping money into that I'm paying my taxes into and and the people that are in play, you know, <laughs> there's yeah. there's some legitimate things there that need to be looked at. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like right. what's wrong with that? So for me, and obviously we're a podcast. We're not a church. I am yes. a pastor, but you know, I'm not calling myself the pastor of all the people that listen to my podcast. That would be insane. And I don't want to be their pastor anyways. So, but I still can marry them and bury them. And I can, uh, <laughs> you know, um, and I still have occasion that I teach in a local church. So um, I have 
who I'm accountable to, and I have you know elders that hold me in line. Um, and so, but I, I guess I'm just saying all that to say that there's going to be some research that people are going to do, and it's going to be uncomfortable, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's difficult because we have sanitized we have sanitized the Bible, we have sanitized the stories of the Bible. I mean, when you think about it, like just think about the story of Sodom and Gomorrah for just a second. Everybody knows yeah. the story, right? They know the story because you know Lot goes to, or um, uh, the angel goes to rescue Lot out of the city, and um, Lot's been living there, and you know he's the angel's telling him, "Hey, we need to go. We need to go. Judgment's about to come on this city," and the the people crowd around. They want to take the angels that came to rescue him and have sex with them. It's explicit. Well, the men wanted it, to have yeah. sex with the male angels, right? And you know, I don't. This is a, probably a family friendly podcast. You know, I don't want to, you know, get into too much detail, but that's pretty explicit. And then, yeah. as they're leaving at just that time, you know, he compromises. The angel compromises with Lot and says, "You can go to this." He, he's like, "You need to go to this place." And Lot's like, "How about if I just go to this place, which is not quite as far?" And he says, okay, you'll be safe there, I guess. Um, go ahead. But what does his wife do? She looks back, and what does she do? She turns into a pillar of salt. Okay, we've sanitized that story, and it becomes a felt board story in the minds of people that hear it. The reality is, is that angels came down from heaven <laughs> and looked like men and were rescuing a right, a, a really an undeserving individual from a very bad situation that God was about to punish and bring judgment on. I mean, there's so many things that you can apply to that story, right? Like, I mean, I think about the coming judgment of God, the message of the gospel, those that look back and don't hold the faith, what's going to happen to them, right? Mm. <laughs> and those yeah. that are rescued out, is it going to be a rapture situation? They're actually rescued out right before uh, the judgment comes, you know, is that what it is going to be? But but the reality is, is it happened in reality first, the yeah. flood happened in reality first. You know, Genesis 6 happened in reality first. So we've got to take the sanitary, you know, covering off of off of these stories and look at them for what they are. I mean, humanity's ugly, sinful, and and we do not deserve to be saved. We do not yeah. deserve to have God's grace and mercy poured out over our lives. And and when the stories are told, they're told with the grittiness and ugliness because that's what humanity is. It's gritty and ugly and dirty and sinful. And so we shouldn't, you know, the church has done a disservice in a lot of ways. And I, I know I sound like I'm picking on church, and maybe there's some pastors out there that are just knocking it out of the park. They're not holding back. You know, they're teaching the truth. And, and God bless those people, those pastors, because they, you know, they are doing it the right way. And may their churches grow because they're going to feed the flock. But, but unfortunately, a vast majority are not doing that. So, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this. Maybe I'm just on a soapbox. You're just preaching. This is good. Yeah. No, I love this. This is great. Uh, I, I know we're kind of getting uh, close to the end here, but I did want to cover this thing. We kind of talked a little bit behind the scenes, uh, and you can share as much or as little as you'd like. But have have either of you lost or gained any friends um, over your your ministry and discussing conspiracy theories sometimes? <laughs> I, Turner pointed at me, so I guess uh, I was going to say uh, yes, yes to both. 
Um, very much so. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of uh, where to start. Uh, I again, I kind of told my uh, my little spiel of like I was always, you know, into this stuff. Um, ever since I was a kid, I was also grew up in a Christian home, and my I was gonna say just uh, I do writing research professionally. I've always done that. I am a I, a research nerd. I love to read. And um, I was going to say, I'm also not very big on like, I don't watch TV shows. I don't watch a lot of movies anymore. So I, I've always been much more of a reader person. And for me, it, it started off like, this is like reading about, I remember, I was going to say, this is going to age me. I'm not even that old. I'm 32. But um Back in the, I remember Snopes used to be um, this website where they used to have all, or back before all the weird stuff happened, they just had like all the urban legends and they would update all the time with like new urban legends and like that was like a big thing. And then like, you know, get into, you know, just rabbit holes from there. So just as simple as Snopes. And my parents were always just like, he's reading and he's, mostly staying out of trouble would encourage it you know so they were they were cool they're like this he's weird anyways we'll just let him he likes to read that's not hurting anybody so and you I, carried a briefcase I, I i i was gonna say yeah, as sure. a kid i uh yeah <laughs> i used to carry a briefcase i was really into paper products <laughs> like i i can say i was like kind of a weird kid this is like again four or five years old but Four or five uh, years ago. <laughs> I still, I wear a backpack now to work, which is funny. But uh, yeah, so I, I was going to say, so I always was just in this way. People every, you know, throughout my life just always knew that. So I was going to say, I don't know if I, I, I'm sure that there is probably people that didn't want to be friends with me because I was probably talking about weird stuff or, you know, it was just kind of off. So that, but as far as like more recently, I would say, you know, just maybe since the podcast started, we'll go back 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say at, at one thing that was really cool um, is being, <laughs> I kind of, I say it as a, a two pronged thing. Cause I remember uh, again, I grew up on the internet. I was, I'm a computer science guy, you know, all this stuff. I, my parents, again, they're like books, computers, we'll just let them do that stuff. So I grew up on forums on weird conspiracy theory forums where it was like, we're the only people. And it was like very kind of lonely because there's not a lot of people I could connect with in real life that wanted to talk about this kind of stuff. Um, and so I will say that like more recently in the last, yeah, again, four or five years, something like that, the fact that I've been able to meet more people that genuinely are interested in talking about deeper stuff. And, uh, mostly I was gonna say, I don't, I don't know any people in my life. I'm trying to think, so I'm not lying. Um, yeah, everyone I know is a Christian. So it's like, I'm not, I don't really deal with people that aren't Christian. So again, having that kind of additional founding, um, is just crucial. So I will say it, it, 
part of me like now is like there's almost too many people that like to talk about it and i want i kind of miss the days of like no i want to uh, be a reject like <laughs> yeah 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 and kind of unique you know that little thing but there's been so many more people and you know just turner you know sitting across you know the table here for four years has been just been so awesome and you know just everything from there all the friendships you you know you just the fact that you know you want to talk to us and we like to listen to you and talk to you and all this stuff is it is awesome um so i will say that it i've been blessed with so many people that are like-minded that understand where i'm coming from and um blossoms into just so much more than just sitting around talking about you know whatever um on the other hand <laughs> i was going to say prior to uh, I'll, I'll throw this in a little context um up until for five years i worked in let's just say conservative politics and conservative political media and uh right before during that i lost a ton of friends uh oh just expose you know just because of views that i held like being pro you know absolutely 100 percent preconception <laughs> pro-life which is a whole other <laughs> thing or you know my stance on guns or my stance on stuff so I, I was gonna say at the same time lost friends with that i lost i've lost more friends over my politics than i have mm. over weird conspiracy theory stuff but um just recently yeah we had uh some friends that again like, it, I don't know if it was a little too much, a little too far out there with some of the stuff that, uh, you know, pointing back to the Bible. And it's like, oh, no, the Bible kind of says this <laughs> this thing. So, you know, kind of benign things that just. Yeah. They, they certainly weren't salvific. Yeah, you know? not salvific. Wow, I can't right. speak. But. No, and that's a good distinction to make, too. We even mentioned that on, on our show when we cover any kind of topic. Is this a salvific issue? Yes or no? Okay. Moving on. Right. right. So that's, I, I, yeah. I was trying to tee it up for you. I don't, oh, know, thanks. I don't know what else you want to say. So, yeah, I mean, I think what happened, what happened in that situation was, and it's still fresh. Because so it, it affects you too. It affects it me too. Both. Yeah. yeah. Um, essentially, you know, um, I was exploring a particular um, topic and I was familiarizing myself with what they believed and, and the arguments they held to maintain what they believed. And um, it was something that they would use the Bible, and um, and it's a, not a new topic. It's been around for for a very long time, but I just never had taken time to really look into it. You have to excuse me. I keep drinking Coke Zeros, and uh, they don't. It's probably the worst thing I could do for a podcast, right? But um, so, anyways, uh, I think in a conversation that I was having with them, um, I was like, well. It, they do say this and they do say that. And I was just citing what I had been, you know, the research I had been finding. And I think they interpreted that as I was falling into that belief system and mm. that I was defending it. And my whole joke was that I'm friendly to it. I'm not, I'm not a staunch, you know, putting my flag in the mountain saying, this is what I believe about this particular issue but I'm yeah. friendly to it. And the response that I got was, well, if you were friendly to this and it was something that was absolutely ungodly, unbiblical, completely sinful, um, I would question you. And I was like, wait, you're saying that that belief is sinful and ungodly? Like, how how do we leap to that from from where you were? And so 
the, mm. and it went back and forth for a while. And, you know, at some point, you know, you just have to, you're not going to get anywhere because they are choosing to not accept um, that particular belief or even look into it. So, yeah. so I, you know, it was one of those things. And so then it was their choice to cut ties with Rosie and I, and it was, ha- it was hard and sad. And we don't know the end, end of what's going to happen. You know, who knows, maybe the Lord will bring them back around. I, I don't know. But I do want to share a good story of something. I want to say, just for the record, what's so funny is uh, I'm sitting here. Turner is like, oh, yeah, I don't really hold the view. I totally do. Yeah, <laughs> like, Rosie does hold the view. <laughs> Unapologetically. <laughs> Unapologetically, 100%. But uh, anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to cut it. No, that's fine. I mean, so uh, I have a really cool story. Um, so at, where I work, um, this guy that was we had hired, he was a subcontractor for a company. And um, him and I were eating lunch, and he brought up uh, QAnon, and he brought up um, a Great Awakening and Golden Age that was about to come upon us, and all this stuff. And you know, because of my research into QAnon, and I'm I'm not a QAnon guy at all. I you know I think it's a psyop personally, but um, because I had studied it, I was familiar with it. And I was able to hold a conversation with this guy. We ended up standing next to my truck um, for about an hour and a half. Um, and I was shared the gospel with him in two different occasions. And wow. um, he said to me when we were done, because I went, you know, I went, <laughs> I, I went to the Nephilim, man. I went to the whole, you know, uh, this is the, I went back to the Nephilim Genesis 6 and I pulled it all the way through to the Antichrist and I was like it's not going to get better bro it's going to get worse there is no great awakening there's a there's a millennial reign that's the the thing you need to be looking for and the only way you're going to get into that is to trust in Christ for salvation and you know have your sins completely washed away and you know we were we were going back to that and he said things to me like well my mom has told me that before i need to probably listen to her more and i'm like yeah you need to read the bible and so it yeah. became this moment where if I had just brushed off QAnon as like, that's weird, that's internet stuff, that's conspiracy, I don't, I would have never been able to have the opportunity to share the gospel with him and clarify the truth for him. Um, right. And I had another situation with a guy um, also that was, you know, he's he is unsaved, raised in a um, Jehovah Witness, and um, he believes in um, some really out there conspiracies. And I've become the guy that he'll come to. Out there from you, you're saying that. Well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. For, I'm just kidding. Out, there. <laughs> out there. Yeah, for me, for me, yeah. But the fact that I'm kind of a safe place for him to have a sounding board. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just developing that relationship. And I'm trying to make sure that um, I don't lead him further away, but open doors and opportunities for him to have pathways into Christ, you know, and you're not going to be able to do that unless you know the stuff. And, you know, I feel like I've been studying it. God's God's bringing these people into my life. It's not like I'm looking for them, you know? Um, yeah. Is and, it one of those, like, I have become all things to all people kind of situations? I think, I think so, because I still have my, you know, pre, pre-truther life that mm-hmm. can still, you know, connect with people that are not interested in these things. You know what I mean? But I will tell you though, man. You know, I know we got to. You want to wrap this up, but I will tell you that the event of the pandemic and the event of Epstein really caused people to open up and begin to question a lot of things. And yeah. they're not done, you know. And when you can tell somebody, yeah, 
don't you know, like there's FOIA requests and there's documents that we can, t- we can show you that they actually had a pandemic response, you know, operation before the pandemic happened. And everything they're doing is doing through a playbook. And you start to tell people that, and they're like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? And you can pull up the documents. You can show them exactly what's been released, the study from John Hopkins. You can show them what the government has released, you know, what the WHO has said. And right. um, and what happens is you now begin to show them that this isn't conspiracy theory. This is truth. And you know, like like a perfect example, um, a few months ago, everybody was talking about Ukraine. And one of the things that came out was that Russia said that they were going into Ukraine and they were trying to close down bio labs, that bioweapons labs that were the, what, that the United States had had um, operating in Ukraine. And mm-hmm. everybody that talked about that was like, oh, that's a Russian conspiracy theory. It's, it's, it's propaganda. Don't believe it. The mainstream media you know, balked at it. The White House denied it. Well, what happens? Monday, guess what comes out? The Pentagon admits that they had 48 bio labs located in the Ukraine up until, uh, up until this past uh, few weeks. So everything- Yeah, every one got hit by missiles. Yeah, and everything that the cons- yeah conspiracy theories are are basically prof- modern day prophets. Everything we're saying is starting to happen. Spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts. Yeah, it's like so. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and the people that are you know um, that are keyed into these things, they might become you know when things really start to fall apart. If that's what happens, they might be the ones who end up holding pieces together for large segments and communities just because they've been awake and they've been aware and they're not afraid, you know? Yeah. Wow, I love this. I love having you guys come on. I, I could talk forever with you guys. <laughs> um, did, did either of you have any closing thoughts or anything that, that you would like to leave with us uh, before we do an official close? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've said, said a lot, man. <laughs> Invest in yeah. precious metals for Q3. <laughs> buy, buy ammo. <laughs> yeah, buy guns, yeah. buy ammo. By land, to- yeah. <laughs> and train exactly. Train, Stephen. You got to get out of the city, man. You need to find some farm and some chickens and stuff. Yeah, I I've been thinking about it a lot. Trust me, <laughs> got to get away from this city. Um, guys, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where where can people find you online? Where can they listen to your content? So we are uh, on Instagram, and it's all at War Podcasts. Uh, that's Probably, if you want to so, on socials, if you want to connect with us, that's where we probably have the most activity. Um, you can listen to us on Apple, Spotify, uh, Amazon Music, Google Play, whatever, wherever you know. Um, we're on YouTube as well, um, and it's just all out war podcast. And you can find us there and just do a Google search and or DuckDuckGo search or whatever search. <laughs> awesome! Yeah, that's great. Well, thanks again, guys, for coming on the show. I hope you guys have a great night and hope to have you back again for something else. Dude. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for having us on. And just, I just want to encourage your listeners, yeah, um, 9-11 was an inside job. The moon landing (laughs) was fake and uh, the the, uh, coronavirus is all planned. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Maybe not. But really, yeah. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. All right, guys, thanks so much. Uh, That was awesome. Ah, you guys are the best. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, we appreciate man. it, buddy. Christ is king. Amen. <laughs> yes, amen. Well, you guys have a great night. I'm going to, I might even button up some of this and tack a little intro outro on it tonight.
see who's awake <laughs> in the house right now. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks, Thanks for having us on, man. Yeah, of course. I'll talk to you guys later. Okay. We'll see you. All right. Yeah, bye. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. If you had a blast, then we'd love to have you back for another episode. So please subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram at All Out War Podcast or on Twitter at AOWcast. These episodes are also available on YouTube unless they contain a little too much truth. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.